welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is bobby casey from global wealth production llc welcome bobby hi rama thanks for having me today how are you yeah i'm doing well thank you very much a uh, little bit about bobby is an entrepreneur investor and student of life and uh, their company's mission is to provide wealth preservation strategies to entrepreneurs and investors and their belief is that through pure capitalism the world prospers and they provide methods that allow their clients to maximize wealth and minimize risk so with that uh, bobby you want to add anything to your background um yeah sure i can do a quick intro no problem um uh, basically i'm a lifelong entrepreneur i've always owned my own business i didn't have you know didn't have any other option really in life i've also been an investor i started trading stocks when i was 14 i started buying real estate when i was 21 or 22 um so yeah I'm, you know i'm pretty heavily involved in real estate now in crypto as well about 20 or maybe 22 years ago i had a company that was doing really well also had a bunch of real estate um i owned another business owned a restaurant and i um, had a lot going on and i kind of got to the point where i thought you know um i really need to kind of protect my assets because i was very familiar with litigation my father being in construction and uh real estate development you know i i heard a lot about different lawsuits for different things and you know i thought i really need to do something about my own situation i had a lot of stuff going on and so i really dove into the asset protection topic in my mid 20s and when i did that i found a mentor actually somebody that basically does this similar thing to what i do now and i found a mentor in this and he helped me develop my own asset protection structure and and that sort of thing and so like after i developed my own plan with my mentor um i thought this is really cool so i started helping some of my friends who were also entrepreneurs kind of develop their 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 asset protection and tax mitigation strategies and you know that was around 20 or so years ago so i kind of informally started this business around then and then around 2008 i sold a bunch of assets i'd sold my restaurant a few years prior to that and then i sold this other company around between 2007 and 8 and i thought i could do this full time i love working with entrepreneurs so i kind of formalized the business in 2008 and that's kind of how global wealth protection came to be and now we have kind of a few different niches um I work a lot with location independent entrepreneurs and investors. You know, these are people running businesses that work remotely. Maybe they live in different countries from where they were born. I have a lot of international clients. Um not only Americans, but I do work with a lot of Americans. I have a lot of real estate investor clients. Um I also have a trust and corporate service company, so we do a lot of trust work for estate planning and asset protection purposes. And then I also have a, a company formation business which um is my US company formation business. We do uh US corporations LLCs where registered agent in all 50 states. We do uh virtual mailbox service. We even do remote online notary through our platform. And it's an automated platform that helps people uh, form companies in just a few minutes, automate your company renewals so you don't have to deal with any of your state compliance and stuff like that. So, we you know, I've been doing company formations for a long time, but just, you know, we saw a need in the marketplace. People, you know, we were sending people invoices to renew their companies and they missed the email, they didn't get the 
pay it. Then they end up with late fees and all this stuff. And, you know, it's frustrating. You end up with a late fee of a couple hundred bucks because you forgot to pay it or you missed an email or went in your spam or something like that. And we thought, why don't we just automate this whole process? Let's create a software platform that automates all of it. Um, and so that's what we did. And so, you know, that's a, another component of our business. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the main point is like, uh, when when we start uh, real estate companies, what what kind of structure uh, real estate investors need to think about it? So you know, it, this I get this question a lot from real estate investors, and it it really depends. Like for example, if you are uh, getting mortgages, which you know a lot of real estate investors are getting mortgages, because one of the attractive things about real estate investment is being able to leverage cheap money. And getting you know these low cost loans from the banks at you know three or four or five percent interest rates, um, so you end up with mortgages. Well, um, if you have a mortgage on your property, you have um, most of your mortgage companies, almost all have them have a, a clause inside that mortgage contract called a due on sale clause. Are you familiar with this, Rama? A due on sale clause? No, no. Okay, so. I, just for example, let's say you want to go buy a property. You get a loan from Wells Fargo to buy this property. Um, and you know, when, when you when you do a mortgage with a property, let's say you're buying this rental house or something. You get a mortgage. You get I don't know. I don't even know what rates are today. Four percent, thirty year fixed, around four percent now, something like that, I think. Um, but if you go get a mortgage, you go buy this house, right? And a mortgage contract is actually kind of it's actually two components to a mortgage contract, right? Number one. Um, the, the mortgage, uh, the mortgage company takes a secured position on your property, right? They take first position. Well, technically that takes second position because first position is always, um, the municipality with property tax. But aside from property tax, your mortgage company takes uh, first position on your note. Um, and so they have a secured, uh, security in the property, you know, with their mortgage, right? So the first thing is it's a secured loan secured by the asset of the property itself. And then the second component of a mortgage contract is always a, or almost always a personal guarantee. So you're also personally guaranteeing the note itself. These are two completely separate components of a mortgage contract. I mean, they're together in one contract, but they're two separate securities for the bank. You, you follow me? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so when you go get a mortgage, they put this thing in there. Almost all your mortgage companies, they put a thing in there, a clause in there that's called a due on sale clause. But what a due on sale clause says is if you sell the property, then the mortgage, the balance of the mortgage is, is due. It comes due. They have the right, not the obligation, but they have the right to call that mortgage and force you to pay it off. Um, now, typically, they don't call that they don't enforce that clause because number one, they've got first position on your property anyway until the mortgage is paid off. So they're still secured. And two, they still have a personal guarantee on you. So in other words, if you were to transfer that property over into an LLC for asset protection purposes, nine times out of 10, or probably 99 out of 100, the bank is not going to enforce the due on sale clause. However, it does give them the opportunity to enforce it at a later date if they so choose. So let's say you bought this house, you bought it in your name, you got a personal mortgage, you know, with Wells Fargo, and you say, I really want to protect my assets here and I want to put this house in a, you know, a Wyoming LLC, for example. You're probably not going to hear anything from the bank because they're not going to care. Also, they're not checking, you know. Uh, land registry records on a regular basis anyway. So they're not even going to notice you deeded that thing over into an LLC. However, 
if a year and a half or two years later, you've got some financial hardship and let's say you missed two mortgage payments because you lost your job or maybe some of your other properties, you were having some problems and you weren't, you didn't have the cash flow to pay the mortgage and you missed two mortgage payments. Well, at that point, your bank can go back and do a record search and see, uh-huh, looks like this this guy deeded this property over from his name into, let's say, XYZ LLC. And it gives them a loophole to go in and foreclose on your property um, at that point because they have that due on sale clause because you, you know, technically on paper, you sold the property from you to your LLC. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in that event, if you do have mortgages on properties, I generally don't recommend people putting properties directly into LLC for this reason. I mean, you may be completely fine and have all the cash flow in the world to pay that mortgage and you could go decades without having any problem. But if you do have one hiccup or, you know, the economy uh, crashes for a few months, like it did back in 2008, and you lose your job for a few months or something, you don't want to lose all your properties also due to a loophole in your mortgage contract. Makes sense. So in, in that case, I would recommend people putting their properties into a land trust. Now, land trust is not really an asset protection strategy per se. It is more of a privacy strategy. Um, and I think privacy is critically important when you are, are talking about a holistic approach to asset protection because privacy means the ownership of your property is not in public record. So in other words, let's say, Rama, I, I want to sue you. You did something to me or whatever. I don't know. Let's say uh, I just want to sue you for a million bucks and I had some legitimate claim on you to sue you for a million bucks. I'm going to go out and hire a lawyer to you know, sue you, right? I mean, that's that's the process. And my lawyer most likely is going to do a record search on you to see what kind of assets you have to see if you are a viable target. Like if you actually have something that we can go after to satisfy this judgment. And if my lawyer does a record search and sees that you own 30 rental houses, you know, worth $3 million, for example, and they're all in your name, my lawyer might come back to me and say, well, Bobby, Tell you what, we'll take this thing on a contingency basis, and we're only going to charge you, uh, I don't know, let's say thirty percent of, you know, the result, whatever we set it, whatever we get in a judgment when we see this guy, we'll charge thirty percent, and they're they'd be willing to do a contingency lawsuit because it's super easy to do a public record search and see what you own, right? However, if we had all your properties into a land trust, let's say. Uh, just hypothetically speaking, you got 30 properties and we've got land trust one, land trust two, land trust three, so on and so forth, up to 30. And then my lawyer does a record search to find out what you own. He's going to come back with nothing because your name is not going to be attached in public record to owning or having anything to do with those properties if the land trusts are done correctly. Um, now, I, I, I need to put a disclaimer there if they are done correctly, because I recently had a client who we had to go back and redo all of his land trusts because he had his local real estate attorney do land trusts and turned out his name was listed in the document that they filed in public records. So basically, he got zero anonymity on this. It completely there was zero reason to put it into a land trust if you're going to put your name in public records. Like it, it was a terrible, terrible structure. And so his, and it's funny because oftentimes real estate lawyers, they don't know what they're doing because they don't specialize in asset protection. And his lawyer didn't know anything 
about asset protection, as as noted by the structure he put in place it was terrible. So we had to redo all this. So anyway, you would have a land trust, for example, uh, Ron. Well, let's say you have a house at one two three Main Street. Yeah. We might name that one two three Main Street Land Trust. Your name is nowhere on that document whatsoever. So in public record, if I'm suing you, my lawyer is not going to be able to find any assets you own. Okay. Now going back to the lawsuit example, now let's say my lawyer does a public record search to see what assets you own because he wants to come after you and sue you for three million dollars or million or whatever I said. I forgot the number in this report. But let's say we want to sue you for a million bucks, and now my lawyer might come back to me and say. Well, we did a record search on that Rama guy, and I'll tell you what, we're not going to be able to take this lawsuit on retainer, but what we can do, we can sue this guy, but we're going to need a $20,000 retainer up front. And so the simple fact that I took all of these assets out of my name and put them into a land trust um, and creating a bit of anonymity around my personal assets might have been a big enough roadblock to stop that lawsuit from happening. Because at this point, my lawyer tells me, uh, it's going to be a $20,000 retainer, I might come back to my lawyer and say, you know what? I don't have $20,000 to pay. So how about we just let this one go? That makes sense? Yeah. You follow me on that? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And, and, and so land, land trusts are really good to create anonymity. However, they're not very good from an asset protection standpoint. So let's take that lawsuit one step further. Let's say that I'm suing you and I do have a $20,000 retainer. And I say, you know what? I think the risk is worth it. I think we're going to go after this guy anyway. We're going to figure it out. We're going to have to spend some money, maybe hire a private detective to find out what you've got. Um, you know, we're going to have to hire a, a, a specialized firm um, to, to like do a record search on you, but we'll, we'll figure it out. And so now let's say I paid a $20,000 retainer and now we do find these assets. We find out somehow, some way that you are actually the beneficiary of these 30 land trusts of properties that are now worth 30 or what did I say? $3 million. I think that was my example. $3 million. Now, where we can take this kind of the next step is instead of listing you personally as the beneficiary of each of those land trusts, what we do is we're going to list maybe your, your uh, LLC. Maybe we create a Wyoming LLC, which is an ideal jurisdiction for asset protection. Is we might we might create an, a Wyoming LLC and name that as the beneficiary of the land trust. And so, just by putting that in place, now it's going to make it significantly harder for my lawyer to come after your asset because you don't actually own it. You're the member of an LLC that is the ultimate beneficiary beneficiary of these uh, thirty houses. Okay. Um, so that's kind of creating a, an additional layer in your asset protection structure. So kind of, to, I know this is a little bit of a long story, but to reference back, you asked me, what are some structures I would recommend for real estate investors holding properties? Yeah. If you were going to, if you had mortgages on properties, this is primarily what I recommend for clients um, because it allows you anonymity to keep your name out of public record. So you have some privacy around um, what you own. And sometimes people think, I don't care about privacy. What do, what, what do I care? Well, you may not think you do until it's too late. And that's ultimately the thing going forward. You can't do anything if the event's already happened. And that's the problem. If you call me and say, uh, you know, one of my tenants had a meth lab in the kitchen and blew up the house and killed somebody and I'm losing all 10 of my properties, what can we do? Problem is we can't do anything at that point. If we would have done it, you know, six months ago, 
if we would have put that structure in place, you would have protected all of your other properties. Yeah, you probably would still lose the house that was connected to this issue, right? Or you may get foreclosed on or that you could lose that asset. But you maybe you, you wouldn't lose the other nine houses because you protected them properly. You didn't have the assets in your own name. Um, and you properly you created a proper structure to protect yourself against these risks. Um, but so if I could tell you one thing is the worst possible thing you could do as a real estate investor is to own property in your own name. That's literally the worst thing you can do for, for your your future and your wealth is to own your own real own real estate, own your investment real estate in your own name. It's it is a horrible, horrible, horrible option. Now. You asked me about structure. If you have assets that are paid off, if your investments are paid off, no mortgages, I would just put them in a Wyoming LLC because it's easier, it's simpler, it's cleaner. Um, and without a mortgage, you don't have to deal with the due on sale clause because um, a land trust, um, you can it doesn't trigger a due on sale clause like an LLC. Like deeding the property into an LLC can trigger a due on sale clause, but deeding it into a land trust does not. Got it. So... Uh, can we apply all these principles uh, or classes to commercial non-recourse uh, loans? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So if you have no non-recourse loans, um, I would. Uh, you're still crazy to own a commercial property in your own name. It's just it, it is a horrible, horrible idea. Now, of course, if it's a non-recourse loan. Um, you're not going to have any personal responsibility in case the property is foreclosed on. But let's say you have a small shopping center with like uh, like a small strip mall, for example, with eight eight units in it. I mean, you have a huge amount of liability there. If you own that thing in your own personal name and you get a million dollar lawsuit, they can come after your personal asset, your house, car, your investment accounts, uh, garnish your wages in your job, your business. Um, you're crazy to not segregate that asset out into another LLC. Yeah. So can we apply land trust formation for commercial non-recourse loans or just LLCs is the better? I would, no, I would, do, I would do an LLC because, see, if you're doing a commercial property, you're getting a commercial mortgage anyway. Um, and commercial lenders are quite familiar with property going into an LLC from the start. Whereas if you go, you know, if let's say you're trying to get a... 5% down Fannie Mae mortgage, you know, over at Wells Fargo, um, they're not going to let you put that house into an LLC when you deed it. Like when you sign the deed, they're not going to let you do that. It has to be in your name. But if you go to a commercial lender, um, many commercial lenders actually would require it to be in a business name anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. But some don't. I mean, I, <laughs> I had I had one real estate investor in South Carolina who owns um, like a couple of apartment complexes and several shopping centers. I, I'm I'm talking like thirty million dollars worth of real estate, and literally every single piece of property was in his own personal name. I was mind blown when I got the guy on the phone. Brilliant guy, multi multi millionaire. Um, he even had a lawyer who helped him with his real estate closings, and I just couldn't believe it. I. I I had to ask him like 20 times because I just couldn't believe his real estate lawyer would actually let him put $30 million worth of property in his own name. Like to me, that is an epic failure by the real estate attorney. Yeah. I actually told him, I actually told him he needs to fire his real estate attorney. I said, you need a new real estate attorney. The guy, like he doesn't have to be an expert. I'm an expert in asset protection. Almost no attorneys are asset protection experts. I have a lot of attorneys that contact me 
to consult with me on asset protection for their clients, which that's what they should do if they're not experts in asset protection. But the one thing that they should never do is just a real estate attorney if is not familiar with asset protection. He needs to either learn it or find a professional to add to the mix when he's consulting with clients who own tens of millions of dollars worth of assets. That's crazy. Yeah, totally agree. And would you share any of your challenging experience in asset protection space? Well, one of the big, one of the biggest problems with asset protection is a, is a, um, a thing called fraudulent conveyance. So, okay, well, let, let's say, for example, let's say today you, you get served papers, you know, by the sheriff, you get named in a lawsuit suing you for $5 million. And of course, you're going to be like, oh, my God, what do I do? Right. Um, and let's say then tomorrow you call me and say, Bobby, I need to put an asset protection plan in place. I just got sued yesterday for $5 million. Anything we do to move your assets into different structures, whether it's a LLC or an asset protection trust or anything like that, anything we do that happens after the event has occurred um, would be considered fraudulent conveyance. And so in the, once you go through the legal process, you go through discovery and you know the lawyers are asking for all your paperwork and documents and they find out that you had, let's say $5 million worth of assets um, the day of the incident that occurred that created that $5 million lawsuit. And then a few weeks later, all of a sudden, all of these things are no longer in your name and they're an LLC and trust names and that sort of thing. If that occurred, then that lawyer is going to claim fraudulent conveyance on you. And then the, then the uh, judge most likely is going to demand you to unwind that entire structure to satisfy that judge. And so that's a big issue I see is people don't do asset protection planning in advance. They only do it after an event happened and they think, oh, my God, I need to do something. So that's one big thing. Another big thing I see is. People think I'm just going to put all my assets in my spouse's name or my kids' names or my brother's name or something like that. And, and that way I can protect my assets that way. Um, that is the most easily undone and transparent thing. The courts see right through that because literally, let's let's say you get sued for five million bucks today, and tomorrow you go down to the registered deeds office and you deed all your properties over into your brother's name. I mean, it's so blatantly obvious that you did that for the intent to escape a, a judgment, they're just going to unwind it. The court's going to demand you to unwind it. Um, but people think that is a loophole that they can get away with, but they can't. It never works, ever. Um, they just think it does. So, you know, that's a big challenge. Um, another thing is when it comes to, like, LLCs. That's another. Here's another good one. When it comes to LLCs, if the LLC is not properly structured it doesn't offer you a lot of protection. Um, and there's a lot of problems that I see. Like I've had a lot of clients where we've had to just go back and start over. Like their LLCs are so poorly structured. And people think like, if you don't know what you're doing, you actually don't know what you don't know. And you don't even know how to ask the right questions. And that's, I mean, that's, that's like it is in anything in life, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm not an expert in e-commerce, for example. So I don't even know the right questions to ask on how to properly market and sell products online. I'm not an expert, right? I don't even know the right questions to ask. And so same thing, 
if if you're not an expert in asset protection, you don't even know really the right questions to ask. But like, for example, different states have different statutes on protecting assets. Like people think I'm going to do a Florida LLC to protect all my assets. Well, that doesn't work if it's a single member LLC because Florida, the, the Florida courts will absolutely disregard the LLC and grab assets inside the LLC to satisfy judgment if it's a single member LLC. There's many court cases to support that. Whereas in Wyoming, they do protect the assets of single member LLC. Florida, no. Um, and that's just like one example. Um, there's a lot of mistakes you can make that like people think, I don't need a, a, a professional to create my LLC for me. I'll just do it myself. I'll go on the Secretary of State website and do it myself. And technically, yes, you can do that. However, most people completely botch that. They do it completely wrong. They submit information that's unnecessary. They expose personal information they shouldn't expose or don't need to expose. They open themselves up to personal liabilities because of that. Because sometimes people get named personally in a lawsuit. How do they, how do they name, if they sue your business and they name you personally, how do they even know to name you personally? Well, probably because you connected yourself to the LLC on the Secretary of State's website. Whereas if you're completely disconnected and you're private, they don't know how to connect you if they don't know who you are, right? So that's one example. What's other things? Um, you know, people think I'm going to save, you know, 150, 200 bucks a year and use my home address as registered address instead of hiring a registered agent. That is the most short-sighted thing you could ever do when registering an LLC. It is, and I'm going to be as kind as I can here. That is utterly stupid to use your home address as the registered address for an LLC. It is completely and totally and utterly stupid. You're exposing your home address in a public record connected to all of your assets. And if anything happens, literally people can come knock on your door. You have given up all of your personal privacy by doing it. It is a horrible, horrible idea. I mean, unless you want your kids to see the sheriff come into your house to serve you lawsuits or you you have, you know, bad tenants who decide, you know, they don't like you anymore and they're going to come stalk you at your house. It is a horrible, horrible decision. I could go through a million examples here. Um, but anyway, those are just some ideas. Like, it is really cheap insurance to have a professional create your LLCs on your behalf. And, you know, obviously, I'm a little bit biased. I own a company that does company formations. But even if you don't use us, I'm still biased. Use somebody that knows what they're doing because you, you should not be putting yourself at undue risk because of being short-sighted and cheap and wanting to save 100 or 200 bucks a year. You're literally talking about significant assets. These are significant investments you're putting money into. You're, if you're going to go spend half a million dollars on a piece of real estate, saving 100 bucks a year is not where you want to cut corners on your company structure. You understand what I'm saying? That makes sense. Yeah, totally. Totally makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, um, I hope that helps. Yeah, totally. And any any books that impacted your life, Bobby? I mean, you know, probably like a, you and a lot of other investors, like Rich Dad Poor Dad, was also you know a great book. Um, I've read a lot of the old books, honestly. Right now, uh, in Audible, I'm I'm re-reading or listening to, I guess you'd say, in Audible. Yeah. Um, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. I mean, that's a classic, right? It was written back in the 30s. I probably read that book 10 times. I'm literally rereading it now. This is the book I've got on my Audible. I love investment books, not only real estate investment books. There's a really good one called F Wall Street. Um, 
Joe Ponzio, really good book about how to value assets, not only stocks, but real estate and other investment assets. Um, you know, Warren Buffett's book, Snowball, is a pretty interesting book. Um, if you really want to get into like detailed analytical investing, like stock market stuff, um, you know, any of the Benjamin Graham stuff, who was Warren Buffett's mentor and teacher at university, you could go read uh, Intelligent, Intelligent Investor or um, I forgot the other one, the one that was his, uh, Ben Graham's uh, textbook. It was, um, ah, look up Benjamin Graham, um, his textbook. I can't remember the title of the book right now, but that's a great one. Anything by Peter Lynch, um, you know. One of another good book I really like is called Trend Following by uh, Mike Covell. Michael Covell. Uh, Mike's a good friend of mine, and he wrote the. It's essentially the Bible for trend following investors. Um, you know, it, I, I I love all things investing, so I, I'm I'm a huge student of investing. I'm trying to think of some real estate books I've read. Um, hard, my God, that. I read at least like a book a week. So I, I can't remember all of it. I'm sorry. That's a few anyway. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. And how can listeners can connect with you, Bobby? Um, yeah. So we, we have like uh, our website for company formations and like LLC, LLCs, registered agent service, virtual mailbox, stuff like that. That website is businessanywhere.io. Um, and then my other website, we've, uh, and I've got a blog on there talking about company structure and stuff like that. And then our other website, the one I've been writing a blog on since 2008, so what is that, 14 years now, um, is globalwealthprotection.com. That website, basically, we've, we've had a blog for 14 years, plus we have our info products on there. I do like consulting. I have a, a membership program and stuff like that. You can find that information on there, but that would be how to contact us, globalwealthprotection.com or businessanywhere.io. Awesome. And thank you, Bobby. Thank you for adding value to the show. Sure. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thank you. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info, at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.